Hi there, you're listening to the Estranged Heart Podcast, and I'm your host, Creed Revere. Welcome back to our returning listeners, and if this is your first time here, thank you for selecting this podcast to listen to. As we begin today's episode, I invite you to grab a cup of coffee or tea, settle in, and listen with an open heart. But first, the regular disclaimer. I am not a licensed therapist or counselor. Nothing within this podcast should be considered or taken as therapy. If you are in need of therapeutic support, such as counseling, please seek out a therapist near you. Hi there. Welcome back to another episode. Today's episode is a pre-recorded story sharing from an estranged adult daughter who at the time of the recording um, had just turned 40 years of age and she is the oldest of three daughters. I know that this is a particularly difficult time of year for estranged uh, folks. And so estranged parents, this might not be the time this during this month, a time that you want to listen. Um, if you haven't the space and a, a emotional ability to do so, I welcome you to do, to do that. I do think that there are wisdom nuggets in there that you can gain from listening to the episode, but please Please remember to take care of yourself first. Also, there have been several inquiries as of late. If I am working with clients online and if I can accommodate time differences due to international time zones, the answer is yes. I see all of my coaching clients via Zoom and I work with clients worldwide. So if you're interested in being supported in this way, please reach out. I can be reached at the email address of theestrangedheart at gmail.com. And as a reminder to please take care of yourself during this holiday season, allow grace to exist for yourself, take things easy and slow, and uh, know that my, my heart is with each of you. I have three quotes for today. The first one is, he who finds diamonds must grapple in mud and mire because diamonds are not found in polished stones. They are made. And that is by Henry B. Wilson. The second is, it takes a lot of courage to release the familiar and seemingly secure to embrace the new. There is more security in the adventurous and exciting, for in movement there is life and in change there is power. And that is by Alan Cohen. And the third and final one, crisis is a catalyst like no other. Things don't change when everything is hunky-dory. And that is by Karen A. On to today's episode. I didn't make any big announcement because I, you know, that just creates drama and I just, I don't need that. So, um, Uh so that's, that's where I'm currently at. My mom has texted me. I will want, I want to say a couple times since mid-January and I've just chosen not to respond. Okay. So in those texts that mom has sent this year and you've chosen not to respond, what, can you give us a little context Were those texts that were like, Hey, checking in to see how you're doing or, you know, uncle Joe had a heart attack or like what kind of give us some context as to what those texts were about. In April, she said um, that both of my sisters and their families were going to be in town in June and all the family was planning to get together and do some various activities. And it would be great if me and my husband could join them. 
and I just didn't respond. <laughs> and then the last one was to wish me a happy birthday, which she seems to do that like every year, no matter if we've spoken or not. And I would say that I am always a little anxious about like the expectation of that one coming mm-hmm. every year because it just puts her back her in the situation back in the forefront of my mind and I just like cringe you know because I I just don't want to have any contact so I don't even want to say please like don't (laughs) and I would say this year it wasn't that bad I did my little cringe and then I just kind of like forgot about it um and moved on and one year she actually didn't so then I was like oh like like you have more like anxiety leading up to it than when it actually happens and then it did happen but then the next day she was like happy belated birthday and I'm just like oh my god okay (laughs) so you're not one that would like for mom to acknowledge your birthday when she sends that birthday text is it uh, because when I'm working with moms um, Mm -hmm. I will generally suggest reaching out and wishing a child a happy birthday, unless they've get, have given explicit, do not contact me instructions. Yeah, that's um, good guidelines. Yeah. To go by. But in, you know, everyone's different and that kind of thing. But what I do caution them on is, you know, not sending a text that says happy birthday. I love and miss you so much. Love mom versus happy birthday. I hope your day is great. Yeah. Something her, like that. Second. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you for that. My part, like, again, I haven't, you know, communicated, please don't do this because I just don't want to initiate any communication with her. Right. Okay. Perfect. Thank you. Okay. So there's been off and on contact. And then today, and with, with regards to your sisters, you have zero contact with them or has it been kind of sporadic as well? Um, well, one of my sisters, I've just never been particularly close to. Um, our personalities are just super different. So we just don't keep in contact. So it's with her, it's like not really a personal thing. The other one, uh, there. I mean, I'm the oldest. I have a sister that's two years younger and one that's nine years younger. The youngest and I used to be like really close. And then I want to say in 2015, some some stuff happened, um, which I can elaborate on if you want me to, but anyways, stuff happened. And so since, since like 2015, like, I feel like our relationship has just been kind of like shaky. And I just kind of like took a step back and like, kind of let her do the leading as far as like wanted out of the relationship and just kind of like responded to that. And then like, I had like a negative interaction with her in October of last year. And I was, you know, I just held back and didn't like react and tried to just be like, Hey, like what's going on? Um, can you elaborate more? Like give her a chance to like air any grievances. And, um, and I've done this several times, um, Uh throughout our relationship since 2015 when it kind of changed and she's always like pretty vague. And like, I was just kind of like weird at that this point that this happened at the end of last year. And, when I think about our relationship since 2015, I feel like most of our interactions have been negative. Like she just doesn't like me. And it's like, if you don't like me, you don't have to have a relationship with me. And so I unofficially decided to just like disconnect from her at that point. Like 
you know, like I've been trying for years and I'm just tired and I don't want to do this anymore. And again, I didn't announce anything. Right. Um, I just haven't been in contact with her. Okay. Okay. Um, and for, for just for context, do you mind giving us a, a, a age range where you're at in your life? Are you in your thirties, your twenties? Like where, where do you fall in that? Um, I, I just turned 40. Okay. All right. Thank you. Okay. So let's take it back to what, what was life like growing up in your household when you were a kid? Well, uh, I, well, I consider myself a Xennial, like the, you know, the in-between Gen X yeah. and millennials. So I relate very well to Gen X, all as millennials, I think. Um, so probably like most people that age or your age, even, um, I got the belt from my dad as punishment mm-hmm. growing up. So I just remember I was terrified of that. And I used to cry and I used to make my younger sister go first because I was so terrified. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. back then, little sister hadn't been born. And then that, that stopped. And, but I would say that my parents, they just argued a lot and they didn't care. Like if we were in the house and and it's like, even if we're in our rooms and they're like out in the living room or whatever, you can hear it, you can feel it. So I just very, just, I just don't like arguing at all. I don't like people arguing in front of me. I don't like arguing in front of people. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah. And I feel like everything was always about like their emotions. Like, I think I, I told you a little bit, like, how I related to your story where you were never validated. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, and I was always told that I was like too sensitive, you know, growing up, not just by my family, but like other people as well. I don't think my, I feel like my family said it more in their actions and reactions than like just directly saying it in words. Right. But like, when I think back on it, like not only was it about like their emotions and they were like just very emotionally reactive people I felt like I feel like the whole family dynamic like centers around my mom and her feelings in particular and my dad he will protect my mom and her feelings so basically Mm -hmm. we're not allowed to hurt my mom Um, and I mean I have a very good example of that um if you want me to to mention it or yeah um when I was 16 I, don't, I was kind of in some argument or discussion with my dad and something made me suspicious where I was like, did you have an affair on mom? And then, and so I'm, so I'm thinking that, you know, or yeah, I'm thinking like, you know, he had an affair and so I'm like confronting him about it. And then he's, he says something like, if you want to know about that, you can ask your mother. So I'm just like, oh. so it's like my mm-hmm. mom had an affair. And then I immediately was like, you know, I'm like 16, you know, so I'm, well, if you want to get a divorce, I understand, like, I'll support you, blah, blah, blah. And of course, I felt betrayed, like, you know, she cheated on her family, you know, not Uh just a husband, but like the family. And of course, I wanted to confront her about it. But my dad, like, threatened me, like, you can talk to her, but you better not hurt her. Hurt her? Like, I... Like she did something so hurtful to her family, but I can't confront her in a way that would be hurtful to her. 
so I had this very awkward conversation with her, which now I'm just like, what was even the point of having that conversation at all? Because I couldn't really say how I felt or be like emotional. And I just kind of like asked, you know, what were the facts like with who, how long, blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. But I, I couldn't express how I felt because God forbid my feelings, my hurt feelings would then again, like hurt her. She would be hurt by me being uh-huh. like, so it's just this whole dynamic. Um, but yeah, like um, my dad has always been like very protective of like my mom's feelings. So that's, that's our family dynamic that I grew up with. And I, I'm sure it's, it's still like that. I would say they've like a lot of people, they've probably mellowed out with age, but are still like, you know, the same core people. Mm-hmm. In, in your growing up years, were there, I, I'm assuming there's, there was probably not, you know, conversations around your feelings where, 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 was it more uh, like don't up don't upset everything you know everybody's you know stop making a scene what you know what we can't make this all about you what kind of what were, were what were the messages that you were receiving from your parents about your feelings and what you were experiencing i felt like i can't confide in them and because my dad was a very angry person. He expressed his anger a lot. I remember having like this light bulb moment one day where I was just, I was a teenager. I was emotional. I was distraught over something Mm -hmm. and out to him for some emotional support. And he just left me there crying, like Mm. brushed me off and like left me there crying. And that just made me even more upset. And I just remember like being so angry and so upset and having kind of this light bulb moment at that point like you know what I can just be angry I'll just be angry and that's how I'm going to like deal with things uh-huh. um, and you know I was your typical angry emotional teenager and I think that moment was like a turning point where I'm just like you know screw them and I'm just going to be angry and like uh-huh. put away and I'm not going to come to them for anything because obviously I can't rely on them right right Okay. Um, you mentioned in your, your letter to me that you felt like you were the black sheep of the family. Is that something that you felt like pretty much your entire childhood or was that more once you became an adult kind of give me some feel around that? I would say probably most of my life because I would say like I'm the outspoken one. Mm. Like I would just call my parents out on their behavior. Like, Hey, this isn't fair. Like, you know, you're making me angry. That makes me upset. I don't like this. I don't like that. Um, things like that. And I would just get, you know, shut down or like disregarded. I would say most of the time they're just like very like dismissive. Right. Yeah. And I hear that often. I mean, that goes in with the not being validated, not, you know, it's, it, it, my therapist describes it as traumatic invalidation when it's just this yes. constant dismissive um, dismissiveness of your of your experience as a child, your 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 world as a child, mm-hmm. regardless of you know whether it's emotions or you know some particular experience or things that have happened to you. So um, I completely completely understand that. Um, even today at my age and the relationship that I have with my 
my children and my my parents now, right? Having formerly been estranged from my mom, um, still feel <laughs> like I'm the black sheep of the family. So I can <laughs> I can absolutely relate to you there. Take me to um, you know, so we've kind of moved through childhood. When when your your baby sister, so the one who's nine years younger mm-hmm. than you, when she came along, what was what was kind of like the family dynamics around that? Were you expect because there was such a you know age gap between the two of you were you a quasi fill-in parent for her do you feel at all I know sometimes kids can feel that way so I just wanted to check in with you around that I mean I don't really remember oh no I mean I definitely didn't have to like step in and help like she was definitely the baby and she was babied you know I did not do any like parenting of my siblings I felt like we had a normal sibling relationship. And then as I got older, I became like, or tried to be more of like a friend Mm -hmm. and and, and yeah, we would like hang out and do stuff all the time. And because I remember like, you know, like they're your siblings, you get annoyed with them and stuff like that. And I just remember my other sister used to just get so annoyed with her, like bothering her. And I'm sure it was the age difference. And in that moment, I remember I remember seeing her like kind of dismissing my little sister and being mean. And and for some reason, I reflected on that. And, you know, I'm just like, I've treated her like that. And that looks really mean. You know, she just wants to be like involved with us. So I kind of like stopped being this older, annoyed sister. And then I kind of started befriending her. Okay. Okay. Very good. Very good. Where um, another thing that can come into play with siblings and parents is uh, a playing of favorites. Did was as far as the parents were concerned, favoriting mm-hmm. one child over another. It, was that something that played out in your family at all? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I would say that they definitely. My other two sisters are both the favorites. Um, they have. Uh, financially supported them like very substantially they've let my sister that's two years younger like move back in and out of their house like multiple times and whenever I have like reached out which is not often at all it's very rare that I reach out but whenever I need help and I'm just like oh hey like could you help me with this or whatever the the reason I mean they don't have to help me of course Mm -hmm. um reason isn't always just like, sorry, we, we can't, you know, right now it's always like, oh, we can't because of, you know, one of your sisters, blah, blah, blah. Mm, mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, another experience I had in life yeah. um, with that. And yeah, and that is, that's almost, I don't know about you, but for me, it was, it was worse than just being told no. Yeah. It was, it, it was like, you are important, but this sibling over here, this other child of mine, is ranked above you and is more important than you. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. Um, there was like a significant event that um, was related to that, that led to like the first estrangement where I was just kind of like, okay, like, because we were um, looking to buy a condo and we asked if we could uh, live with my parents for a couple or a few months while we were like closing. So we wouldn't have to go month to month on our lease because the cost of doing a month to month mm-hmm. lease would have been like, you know, a lot more than signing a yearly lease. And right. so 
so they agreed, or I mean, my mom agreed. Um, she, she's the one that kind of does most of the family communication. And then when the time came up, I heard from my sister that's two years younger than me, that she was moving back in with my parents. And I go to my mom and I'm just like, I thought that you said that me and my husband could move in with you for a few months while we're closing on this condo. And then her response was just like, oh, I just kind of like forgot. And it's like, how could you forget about something so important like mm -hmm. that, that had such financial repercussions for me and my husband? And so at that point, I was just like, you have like, th this is like the last straw. And I like estranged from her for like six months. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I, I hear you on that. It's, it really is. Um, and I don't know that you know, as a parent myself of two, two adult daughters, it's, it can be challenging to make sure we're splitting every, you know, doing things uh, as equal as we can. At the same time, each child is important. And I think to, to not, you know, to purposely quote unquote, forget, or to tell a child, I can't help you because I'm helping this one, mm -hmm. um, really sets up number one, to damage the parent child relationship, your parent, your relationship with your parent, but also the sibling relationship it really can wreak havoc um, there as well. So yeah, absolutely. Totally get that. And, and actually I'm not mad at my sister at all because she probably had no idea. Yeah. I was mad at my mom because she's the one that I had made, she had made the promise to me and really royally screwed me and my husband. I mean, yeah, like it, <laughs> that, yeah. I mean, big, a big thing. So yeah. Yeah. Okay, so take me, we're, we're through childhood, take me into your adulthood and kind of where, you know, it sounds like you've been, you've had, you know, this in and out of estrangement, reconciled, you know, back in estrangement. Um, what, what has that experience been like for you to be back and forth with, with this type of a relationship with your parent or parents? Well, I mean, I would say that Currently, this is only like my second major estrangement. And then after the six month estrangement, um, which my dad really should have been included in that. I know I keep talking about my mom, but like she's the one kind of driving the relationship. Mm. Um, and honestly, my dad, it's like he's not very uh, technologically advanced and he just doesn't reach out. Like if I, don't call or don't stop by or whatever. Like we don't have a relationship, but I would say like, since that first estrangement between that and like this estrangement, I just like, I mean, I would like limit contact with my parents, but like, I just felt like upset or annoyed or angry, like walking away from like any interaction that we had and especially like holidays. So then I stopped going to like holidays because I was just like, this is just too much. Um, I don't know. I feel like when you have like holidays involved, it just makes it yeah. even more like everyone is just even crazier for some reason. For, I think I hadn't done a holiday with them in a couple or a few years. And 
2019, they're like, hey, we're all going to do Thanksgiving at this restaurant. And I thought like, hey, like that doesn't sound too bad. Sounds like a safe, like neutral place or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I was really wrong about that. (laughs) It was, I mean, I hadn't, I don't go out to restaurants often on holidays, maybe here and there throughout the years, but this restaurant was very busy. It was so busy. Um, So obviously other people had like the same idea. And so, you know, they were a little slow in like getting our food and everything like that, which I didn't mind. But like my nephew was having like a meltdown because he's a kid and he was hungry. And my mom and my sister, his mother, were just getting like so upset on his behalf. I want to talk to your manager and just like sitting at the table and complaining the whole time. And I'm just like sitting there like, okay, well, here we are. This is Thanksgiving, like happy Thanksgiving. Like I just have, I get to listen to my nephew have a meltdown, which that didn't really bother me. And, but mainly my mom and my sister just complaining the whole time and then getting a manager involved. And, and I'm just like, okay, like never again, no holidays. Like that was a big mistake. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like the way that they are. Um, I feel like they can be kind of entitled, but Mm. also in the way that they treat me, I feel like I'm like the butt of jokes and like teasing. And I just like, don't have the energy to react anymore. Like I'll just like sit there with a blank stare on my face because I literally don't have the energy to fake it or say anything really. And they just don't get the, they just don't like get the, the point or or the hint or whatever understand would you would you say that they don't understand that it's hurtful that what they're doing or saying is hurtful to you would would that be accurate I think so I think that they're just not self-aware and I feel like they've always treated me as this idea of who they think I am in their heads but I don't feel like Mm -hmm. they know who I am as a person at all so I just feel like I've just I can't remember a time when I felt close to my family. I just don't feel close to them. I feel like very disconnected, you know, like we're strangers, like Mm -hmm. they don't know who I am. They think they do. And I know who they are as they present themselves to me. And it's like not working for me. (laughs) Right. Right. Could you, for the, for the folks listening, especially the parents, could you, Give an example without identifying um, too much of what, when you, when you, because I have parents who say, my kid says we, we tease them too much, but I mean, come on, doesn't everybody tease everybody? Like, why, why is this such a big deal? I don't understand. Could you maybe share an example of what teasing or being the butt of a joke has, what, an example of what that is, and then why that is hurtful for you? Gosh, I wish it, it's been so long. I wish I could think of like a specific thing. Um, I don't know. Like it could just be like making fun of hobbies that I have, or like how my hair looks, or whatever. Or huh? if I did something different, just just like any little thing that if they're commenting on it in like a negative way, even if they think that they're just like joking and it's not like a compliment, like 
you know, saying like, oh, like your hair looks nice. Did you do something different? You know, but it's more like, what did you do your to your hair? You know, like, but yeah, I'm I'm sorry. I can't, it's been a while, so I can't come up with like anything specific, but um, um that's okay. It, I like subtle little like digs. Yeah. And I think after a while, you just kind of disregard them. And it's not like you're trying to write them down or remember them. What yeah. I want, what I think is important for parents to understand is what, what you feel. And again, this kind of goes back to that whole platinum rule that I talk about in that, how does someone else want to be treated, right? When you may think that it's lighthearted because you would take it as mm-hmm. no big thing. But to someone else, it's really hurtful. Um, and to be and to have that happen, experience that from the mouths and hands of a parent is even it, it just adds a I think it adds multiple layers to to the hurt feeling that we have. Like, why can't you give me a compliment instead of saying and and it's not necessarily always the words that I said, it's the tone in which it's mm-hmm. delivered right? A lot of the, my goodness, what did you do to, what exactly did you do to your hair? You know, yeah. was that, that look on their face and the tone in the voice that says, I'm questioning this. I don't approve of it. I don't like it, mm-hmm. etc." And then we internalize that um, as children do in, of any age with, as you know, when it's delivered by a parent. So um, I think that's a, a good example, you know, it, about the hair, you know, our looks, things that we take that are personal to us, our, you know, our home, our job, our hobbies are things that we do and we either really love or maybe even perhaps we're even struggling with on some level. And then they, there's this Mm -hmm. negative comment that comes in and adds to the, to the issues. Like my, my family is a very like sarcastic and joking nature, which like there's a very fine line with that, especially when yeah. you bring sarcasm into it. And because of this dynamic, I see that playing out in my sisters. Like I like have felt like picked on by my youngest sister, you know, because they just all like play off each other mm-hmm. and she's like emulating, you know, their dynamic. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And for those of us who are a bit more sensitive, um, I know that any, any kind of teasing when I was young um, and even into adulthood, I just would send me off into outer space. I just was not able to handle it and felt really awful after any time anyone made, you know, joking, quote unquote, joking comments about things. It was just a joke. I'm like, no, that wasn't just a joke. I mean, for everyone that's familiar with therapy terms, I used to be, I mean, I still have issues with being conflict avoidant, but conflict avoidant, people pleaser, very insecure. Like I was just in my head and like people's opinions used to affect me like so much. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would say I have embarked on like my therapeutic healing journey. I mean, it's been a journey for the, the past 10 years. I would say I started in like 2013. Okay. So that, that leads me to one of the questions that I had for you today is what have you employed to help you to get through these times with your parents, these, these estrangements, um, periods of estrangement, what, 
have you gone to therapy? Have you, and, and if you have, because as you may or may not be aware, a lot of intended, uh, um, a lot of parents believe that therapists are leading the way for estrangement. So if you've gone to therapy, what, what benefits do you see that have come from that? I mean, I feel like it provides me an outlet. And I think you've might, you've probably mentioned it on your podcast before, like not every person can be everything for you. I can't talk about everything with my husband or my best friend. I mean, I can, but I won't necessarily get this feeling of they completely understand me, even if they're trying to be supportive and understanding, you know, you could feel that disconnect that maybe like they just don't completely get it. Where a therapist, you know, will have experience dealing with these types of issues and be able to kind of fill in those gaps. So um I I found it like a good way to like get out my frustrations and also receive any like validation that I needed. I've had a good therapist for the past four years. And as you, and I'm sure a lot of people know, like it is hard to find a good therapist. Mm -hmm. I would say I've been in and out of therapy since before 2013, since like my late teens, like 1920, just in and out. And I would never see anyone for very long because like I felt that even the therapists were dismissive and invalidating and I've had mm-hmm. very bad experiences and I finally found a good one. And I, I actually met her on like an online platform and then she left that platform and she has her own practice and also joined another platform. And I just followed her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like canceled my membership with that platform and was like, just tell me where you're at or how I can have access to you. <laughs> Yes. When you find a good therapist, you, you hang on to them um, at all costs, just about. So yeah, absolutely. But so it's so helpful now that like, we only talk on like a uh, once a month basis or less. And I feel like secure enough that if for some reason, like say she moved out of state and I couldn't have this therapist anymore, like, I feel like I would be okay now, mm-hmm. but very good. Before, like when she was like first leaving that platform, it was a little devastating for me. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I thought I was going to her, but now like, I feel like I've grown. We're like, you know, well, you know, we had a great therapeutic relationship. She has to move on and I, I can too. Yes. And a good, and a good therapist um, will tell you that their main job is to work themselves out of a job, right? Is for mm-hmm. you to get to a place where you are not dependent upon their services and being with them that you're able to do and process these things on your own. So, um, so yeah, absolutely. For, for the parents who, because I picked up on something that I want to kind of go back to, and I think that parents can not understand this, this piece of validation versus telling you all the things you want to hear. Mm-hmm. Right. So I hear from parents, well, this therapist is they're just telling them all the things they want to hear. And so they they're not, in other words, the therapist is not coming in and saying, well, have you considered it from your your mother's point of view? Have you thought about what it would be like, you know, for them to experience this kind of thing? Help help us to understand 
what validation means to you. What has has having your therapist validate your experience and feelings done for you? I mean, it makes you feel like seen and heard. I mean, I feel like we all, you know, just want to be understood, but like no one can like be inside your brain and know exactly how you're Mm -hmm. feeling. And sometimes it's hard to explain to people even like, I like to think of my brain as like, I mean, I don't know if you've seen this, one of those memes going around the internet where it's like a picture of a brain and just a bunch of entangled like scribbles. Yes. And like, how do I get this, you know, out of here and out into the world, express that in a way that people will understand. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like it, people just express themselves differently, the way that they say things so it's like you're speaking the same language, but it's hitting the other person differently because the way that they're hearing the certain words or phrases that they're using, like they have a different understanding of mm-hmm. what the words and phrases may mean, like they may say it differently. So that's, I think, how a lot of misunderstandings yes. come about. Um, that's why we have a lot of redundant language to express the same things over and over again so we can say it in different ways but yeah I think it's just even if you don't completely understand someone's experience like just acknowledging like their pain or their frustration Mm -hmm. like oh that seems like that would be really frustrating or like really difficult even if you don't know where they're coming from and you've never had that experience right Right. Therapists are are trained to set aside their personal things, right? And this is where we get into the miscommunication because when we're dealing with a parent and child relationship, we have a history with one another. We don't have that history with a therapist, right? A therapist also has specific training on setting aside their own personal things so that they're not triggered and they can focus on you and your experience, the things that you're saying and experience, you know that story that you are sharing with them and they can validate that without mm-hmm. th- without it being colored by their own perspective on things right. where when we are we have this history with our parents it can be really challenging if you haven't done the work on yourself to be able to stand back and say and and understand oh this is her experience and not mine but it doesn't mean that her experience is invalid because it wasn't mine. Right. right. That type of thing. And that I think is what I'm hearing from children all the time is my parents keep telling me that how I'm feeling is wrong, that I should, you know, that's not what happened, et cetera, et cetera. When it really is the feeling that you had from that experience and how yeah. that left you feeling, would that be yeah. accurate? I love the saying, like, you'll remember how people make you feel, not, yes. not what they did. I'm not sure exactly if those are mm-hmm. the exact quote, but you you remember how people made you feel. And of course, children or adults are going to experience the same experience differently because you're in completely different roles. And yes. I think you've probably mentioned it on your podcast, too, that siblings that have the same child, grew up together, have the same childhood, the same parents, they're going to have a completely different Mm-hmm. experience. I mean, I definitely believe that my sisters see things differently because they're younger than me. I mean, 
I think typically as the oldest, your parents are the most strict with you. And then you can feel a little resentful when they're not like that with your right. young sisters. And I feel this is just my instinct or what I what's what it seems like to me with my youngest sister. I feel like maybe part of her anger with me is that she's angry about the relationship that I have with our family and our parents because she doesn't understand why that is. Mm, yes. Yes. Yeah. I can absolutely see that. Yeah. So we're winding down here on our time together and I kind of want to, I'd like to venture into what, like what, what are the next steps? What if you had a magic wand and could fix all of this with your family and your relationships with each person in your family, what, what would that look like? What would you want? What do you, what do you want moving forward? Are you like, I am, I am good with being where we're at. Like, I don't ever care to have anything more than what we have right now. Or are you of the mindset of, you know, I would really like for us to be able to heal and have, you know, significant, meaningful relationships with one another. Where do you, what does that look like in your world right now? Um, well, I never like to say never about anything. Um, right. But like at this point, I just feel like, I guess, emotionally tired and because mm. I know that they haven't done any work as far as I know. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it just feels unfair that I would have to do all the work. And I feel like I've already done so much work on just myself and on learning and fixing everything that maybe who I was as a young adult because of my childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just don't have the emotional bandwidth to try and have a relationship with them the way that they are. And, and again, I just feel like not close to them, disconnected, like we're strangers. So I just feel like, I guess, not interested, like a disinterest in having a relationship with them because I just feel like we have our own lives or different people. And I mean, I feel like if we weren't related biologically, we probably wouldn't have anything to do with each other. Like We're just very different people and um like I just I can't say like I mean I can't predict the future even future reactions or emotions that I would have so I don't know mm-hmm. how I would feel if one day they came to me like healed and and fixed I'm holding mm-hmm. up like air quotes because what is fixed really but right <laughs> but like if they were the parents that I've like fantasized all my life or since childhood, which was another thing that I had to like overcome was understanding their limitations and they are who they are. I mean, if they suddenly were what I needed and reached out to me, I, you know, I can't say that I would know for sure. I just know that it's just not right now. I feel like, I mean, it's sad to say that I feel like the pandemic helped the estrangement along, it helped me see that this is what I needed. This is what I needed at that time. And this time is to just uh-huh. have that space. And I feel like I can finally like breathe and I'm not like on eggshells, like tiptoeing around like communications with my mom and 
and um, meetups and things like that. So I just, right now I just need, I just need my personal space mm-hmm. and we don't know what the future will hold. Yes. I like that you acknowledge that, that you, you, we don't know what the future holds. Right. And I tell that to parents and children alike. We don't, you know, tomorrow you could wake up and have a completely different thing, or it could 20 years could pass and you could feel the way that you do today. We don't ever know. And keeping that maybe, but I'm going to, in the meantime, I'm going to get on with my life and continue on doing the things that, you know, are important to me, et cetera. Mm -hmm. If you had, let me ask you this. If you, if you had parents who quote unquote had done some work and were interested in trying to heal their relationship with you, what, what would you be open to? How would you want them to let you know? How, what would that, would you be okay with maybe entertaining, entertaining that depending on how it, you know, was that information was given to you? Basically, Um, because I have, um, what I'm trying to get at is I have parents who are doing the work. Like I am working with them and I have seen changes like they they are doing the work they're not perfect they haven't mm-hmm. got it mastered by any stretch of the imagination but they are actively working on it and can see quote unquote the error of their ways right mm-hmm. and the things that were not working for the for their children as they were growing up and they were being parented but yet their children have said i don't want contact don't contact me and so the parent is like but i'm doing things to help fix this, right? To help right the wrongs that I have Mm -hmm. done. How can I help my child to know that, right? Mm -hmm. So if that were one of your parents, what would you, what would be your advice as far as how they should reach out to you if they should at all? Like, what would that look like for you? I feel like for me, maybe like a letter in the mail um, where it's evident from their writing and what they're saying that they've done some work. I don't know, because somehow a text or email just seems a little too casual or informal for something like so serious and emotional. And, and, you know, as you said, like you, you have these parents doing the work, but then you have these children that are still saying like, no, I don't want anything to do with you. And, you know, everyone's in a different emotional spot. So like, I mean, yeah, that's one of the reasons why I need my space right now. And I'm not willing to have the conversation at this moment. And it would probably have to start with a letter either from me or them or something, because I don't know that I could handle such an emotional conversation at this time in my life after having already gone through, you know, the emotional experience Mm -hmm. I had. child. So it's actually, it's, vulnerable scary thing Mm -hmm. and like most adult children have said it's not like they haven't tried to bring these things up like I said I was the outspoken one and Mm -hmm. I would just call my parents out on things and you know like you just get emotionally worn down and exhausted and so I think it's going to take me a while to heal that to to I don't know get the emotional energy to feel like I could have that conversation without Mm -hmm. 
having a complete emotional breakdown. So it's more yeah. about it's more about protecting myself. Of mm-hmm. course, if they if they do some work on themselves, that would be great. You know, like you always say, web you should do it for yourself and not Correct. with of you know getting your child back in your life because it's going to benefit you anyways. Right. It's going to right. your relationships and how you interact with people and like honestly it'll make your life a lot easier because mm-hmm. like you know again I said I was like a very insecure person and a people pleaser so I was just letting people run over my boundaries and constantly f- feeling like I was in a state of distress because I wasn't making people happy and because I was so afraid of what people thought of me mm-hmm. and that's that's just a very stressful emotional state to be in 24 seven. So it'll, it'll make you healthier and happier. Even if you don't get that relationship back with your adult child, or you don't, I mean, it's not going to fix it overnight, but whether, you know, you could get there at some point or not, but either way, it's just going to benefit you as a person. Yes. What I like to try to help parents to understand, it's kind of like, um, in a uh, romantic relationship when there's been infidelity, right? And generally the party who has had an affair is like, I've made amends. I've said, I'm sorry. What more do you want? Let's just get back to life. Let's just, you know, get back to normal. And I'm not doing that anymore. And, but the person who was cheated on <laughs> is like, whoa, I, you have violated all the things between us in this relationship i'm an emotional mess i this is not going to just you know now that you've decided that that was over and done with and you've apologized mm-hmm. now we just get back to normal it's it's kind of you know it's obviously not the same thing but parallel yeah. lines with parents and adult children there's been oftentimes so much damage that has been done that it takes a, a long time for the kids to get to a place, number one, to do their own healing and to figure that piece out. And then once you've done your own healing, then it's trying to figure out what, what do I want for this relationship, if anything? And then Mm -hmm. what does that look like? And then that's a whole nother process. Like this is not, I keep talking about, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. And if you're doing all the things that you're doing for the sole reason of getting your children back, that's typically not going to work because that's a manip- manipulative move in essence, right? It's like, well, if mm-hmm. I do this, then they'll do this. And that's right. trying to manipulate the situation um, versus working on yourself, understanding things, having a greater understanding of how, what it was like to be parented by you. And then leaving your child to be able to do what they need to do to heal and get back the emotional, you know, fill the emotional tank back up after it's been emptied after years of, as you said, being on alert and stressed out and all the things, trying to get people to understand and see you and hear you and all the things. And then finally your tank is empty and you're just like, I can't do another thing. Right. Would that be an accurate description? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I could say from being estranged from my sister, it's like, I mean, I know it's not the same as being in a, you know, a parent estranged from their child, but, you know, we were close. So there was like, or has been this like 
grieving of that yeah. relationship. And obviously, she's gone through a lot of life experiences and become like an adult in her own way. And so she's, I feel kind of like I don't even know her as a person anymore because she's like had her own experiences and living her own life. So it's, but yeah, it's taken me a while where I'm like, okay, like I accept that she is this person, but I also feel that we're strangers and I don't understand her. And also it's just not emotionally safe for me to have a relationship with her because she obviously harbors some sort of anger towards me that she won't uh, really be specific about. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for um, meeting with me today. I um, am super, super grateful for your willingness to come on and share your story. I, I really think that the parents get a lot out of it when the adult children can come in and help them to understand a little bit more about what might be might be going on for their child, right? Every every situation is different, but mm-hmm. it's insightful to hear it out of the mouth of an, an adult child and what their uh, their experience has been. So I want to thank you for being open and vulnerable enough to come on and share your story with us and helping us to have a little bit of an insight as to your story and what your experience has been like and and why you are where you are today with the relationship with your parents. So thank you so much. Yeah. Thank, thank you for having me. I love your podcast. And I mean, I honestly feel for all the estranged parents and adult children out there, you know, just hearing their stories. It's a lot easier for me to empathize empathize with people that are not my own family. I can only logically understand my own family dynamics, but I mean, it's just an emotionally difficult journey. So um, I hope, I, I wish everything, everyone the best um, in their their relationships. And uh, thanks again for having me on the podcast. This brings this episode to a close. I hope that this time together was time you feel well spent and that you are able to find some takeaway nuggets to help you on your journey, wherever you may be on your estrangement and reconciliation path. If you feel you've received something helpful or positive from this podcast, please consider following us, sharing this podcast with others, leaving a positive review, perhaps entertaining becoming a guest on our show, or following us on social media, on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok under the same name, The Estranged Heart. As a reminder, there is an online support group on Facebook. If you are a estranged mom who identifies as being spiritual and approaches estrangement with a sense of curiosity rather than blame and judgment and desire to do inner self-work and reflection, please seek us out. We can be found at facebook.com backslash estranged mothers support group. And lastly, if you are an estranged parent or an estranged adult child and would like to have your story shared on the podcast anonymously or not, please reach out to me via email at theestrangedheart at gmail.com.